0: Awesome. We are so thrilled to be with the Blue Ridge Church. We love the Blue Ridge Church. Uh, you guys are actually the closest church to us geographically. Uh, I've always thought it was Greensboro, but I looked it up. You guys are actually three minutes closer to Roanoke than the Greensboro Church is. So we are the closest churches in our, uh, our movement, so to speak. And that's really exciting. But uh, we love Drew and Jenny. Drew is a hokey forever, even though he is, uh, has changed colors a little bit. Uh, we know he still has the orange in him uh, down here. So we, we love Drew, we love Jenny, and uh, we're so proud of Drew. And thank you, Blue Ridge Church, for Ben Hutchins. Uh, him coming down and serving in our campus ministry for over two years now and his, with his wife, Melina. We're, we're just thrilled. So we've got lots of connections here. And I appreciate Drew allowing us to collaborate here this morning and give me a chance to, uh, to preach to you guys. So happy Father's Day to uh, all our fathers and our fathers in the faith and those who have mentored and raised up our children who serve in kids' kingdom. There are lots of incredible ways that God gives us the opportunity to be uh, dads. And yes, I see in the chat here, we've got Paul and Jen Hutchins, uh, former uh, Charlottesville residents, uh, actually with uh, Ben and Melina and Will and Sarah down in in Christiansburg this morning. So we've got the Hutchins here as well. So it's it's a big old party. But no Father's Day would be complete without dad jokes. You know, this is a skill that is, is really harnessed uh, before we're dads, but it really just incredible, It explodes once you become a dad. It's almost like a spiritual gift that could be included in Romans chapter 12 of becoming a father. You just have the innate ability to roll out really, really bad jokes. So before I start our Sermunion, which is a Sermon in a Communion, Uh, I'm gonna share some really, really good jokes and they're so good because they're so bad. And that's what we're gonna start out here this morning. So here's one. My dad literally told me this one last week. Did you hear about the guy who invented lifesavers? They say he made a mint. And there's no laughter on Zoom, but I just trust that you're really cracking up wherever you are this morning. Um, Another one here. Whenever the cashier at the grocery store asks my dad if he would like the milk in a bag, he replies, no, just leave it in the carton. So good, so good. Next one here, these are getting bad and hopefully getting worse, which means they're getting better. Why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they had four, they would be chicken sedans. Oh, that's, that's bad. That's bad. Uh, This one I've done on my daughter. This is fantastic. Uh, My daughter says, dad, make me a sandwich. I say, poof, you're a sandwich. There you go. Awesome. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to cut it off there, even though we could go on forever. And if you have some great dad jokes, when this is all over, and you've had a chance to reflect, put some in the chat so we can all uh, all be encouraged by your brilliance. Okay? So, amen. Thanks so much for uh, giving me this chance. I'm excited. We're going to go to a familiar text over in Luke chapter 15. So if you have a a Bible with you, or you're near someone who does, please flip over to that text. We're going to look at the parable of the lost son, which is a, a fantastic passage on really celebrating our Heavenly Father, and also looking at some family dynamics. And In every father, and every family, there are dynamics. And we can glean a lot from the dynamics in this story of the two sons. But most importantly, we're going to be able to glean who our God is and our focus on him as we celebrate him today and as we celebrate Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection when we take communion. So uh, I've got a couple points that are going to lead us to, to that time of reflection and celebration. And my first point this morning is goods over god. And what we're talking about here, if you want to if you want to put a title on it, this is a tribute to our heavenly father. So we are it's a tribute to our dad. And the first point this morning is goods over god. And uh what we'll see in this text is two sons who highlight or enjoy what the father gives rather than just the father. So let's read this text together here starting in verse 11 of chapter 15. All right. So goods over God. Here we go. Hey, my boss. I'm still here. My computer just fell over. That's awesome. That's uh, not a dad joke, but uh, it is now. Okay. Verse uh, 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in that whole country, and they began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one, no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare?" I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, yet you never and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Again, another uh, just incredible story, familiar text for sure. But what we see in these two brothers is something that is true in our dynamic with our Heavenly Father, is that you and I have the tendency to put the goods of what God provides over Him. Simpler said, we get more excited about what God does for us than we do about our relationship with Him sometimes. And this, and this parable is all about highlighting who we believe our God to be, who we recognize our Father uh, to be, and to really celebrate the goodness of of our God, so the tendency is to celebrate His goods over His goodness. We see the younger brother and the older brother both struggle with idolatry. They both struggle with putting something above God. The younger brother shows his idolatry in in an obvious way in immorality, just wanting the inheritance up front, wanting his uh, one third of the inheritance and or his dad's money, and just bailing out, going out and doing. Uh, All that he wants to do and clearly showing us, you know what, he wants nothing to do with his dad. He even wishes his dad be dead as it's tradition to not receive your inheritance until your father passes on. So in a lot of ways, in every way he's communicating to his dad, you're dead to me. I don't care. I just want your stuff and I want what you have for me and I'm out of here. So the younger brother gets a lot of flack because his, his idolatry is much easier seen, but the heart and the family dynamic of the older brother is identical. The older brother has idolatry in his heart, cares more about God, his father's stuff rather than the father in the way that we see him respond to when the younger brother comes home. And he he equates his relationship with his father to slavery, to slaving after him, to just doing everything right and hoping that by doing what's right he would receive some things, even a young goat. So there's a tendency in our family dynamic to to be one of these brothers at any point in time the younger brother i can be like him because whenever we disobey god whenever we go go away from god's uh, under his protection and his care we literally have to do something against him to put ourselves in that situation so every time we disobey we're choosing to to care more about whatever we're after than we do about god in that moment <clears throat> whether it's as simple as as a lust, whether it's as simple as getting angry at our kids and, and lashing out, whether it's just being selfish and, and not giving in that moment, it's choosing to, to seek after what I want rather than what God wants. And that's, a, that's an equivocation <clears throat> of how we can be like the younger son. The older son is a bit more challenging, but can be true of my heart as well. A bit more challenging to see, that is. And the older brother, as he puts goods over God, is that he wants to keep his hand in God's pocket, meaning I'm gonna do things for you, God, so that or for you, Dad, so that you get me what I want. And if I do what you want, then you owe me. And that's a subtle way that I know my heart can try to, I never will be, be successful in this, but I can try to manipulate God just by doing what's right. And then in my heart, expecting that God will bless me because I've been so great. Uh, I obey, I strive after repentance, so therefore I believe in my heart that God owes me that if i'm if I'm really holy and I'm really pure, you know what that God will bless me with with gifts. God will bless me with what I, I want uh, more health, longer life, uh, obedient children. Uh, you name it, just God will hook me up if I stay in his good graces but the heart is still the same as the younger brother I don't want the relationship with god i just want his stuff i'm more excited about what he provides for me versus just being enamored by having such a dad and as disciples none of us want that heart where we want stuff over god but that's just a sneak peek into all of our hearts and the family dynamic that we have with our heavenly father is that we can sometimes lean over to i wish god would you know what Hook me up in this way. I for the singles out there, man, God, if I stay pure, you will bless me with the dating relationship. If I if I give faithfully in contribution, that then you will give me a raise. You will bless me financially if I continue to put my finances where they belong. Or if I obey here, then surely, you know what? This this should come my way. Life should be easier, so to speak. And if I raise my kids, speaking of dads out there, if I raise my kids in a way that they should go, then they should become disciples. And if I do all the right things, then it's a guarantee that God will help my kids become disciples. But the truth is, I know some incredible moms and dads in the faith out there. And this passage gives me comfort that you can do everything right and your children still have a choice as to who they're going to seek. And again, I've known some incredible parents that are still praying and fighting for their children to become disciples. So how dare I equate, you know what, there's probably a reason in your parenting why your kids aren't disciples. That's, that's garbage. And that's the mindset that sometimes we can carry, just like the older son and the younger son, that, you know, what? if we do good, then God will give good. If we do what's right, then we're just going to keep getting what's right. So anyway, that is our heart. And that's our tendency in our relationship with the God that we don't, we desperately don't want to treat him that way, but our hearts inform us in such a way and we can live that way. And we got, we've got to see that we can have the tendency to choose goods over God. And it's easy for me, church, to look at the older son, older brother and be like, man, what a bum. How, how, how unbelievable is he that his, his brother leaves and he comes back and he's just more concerned about, you know what? that's that's my that's my goat that's my fattened calf and the history of all that is that having a fattened calf was like the party of the millennial like this will never happen again this is the party of all parties and that fattened calf was literally part of the economic wealth of the dad who was going to give it to the older son the two-thirds inheritance that the older son was supposed to receive so when he sees this party of parties He's saying you're using my money in a way that I don't like, and this really challenges my heart because I can choose goods over God in my obedience and expect God from uh, expect God to hook me up. But in another subtle way, I can get angry at how God blesses others versus instead of me. Uh, Psalm 73 speaks to this so directly, where David wrestles in prayer that those who are ungodly, they have no cares, they have no worries, they have health in their bones, life seems to be going well for them. Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever questioned our heavenly father in that way that how do all those people who could care less about God, why do they have all the great jobs? Why do they have a happy family? Why are they able to have kids? Why are they just seem to go from gift to gift Why do they get all the raises? And I'm over here serving you, God, and I'm still in the same pay bracket that I was five years ago. And it's the challenge in my heart when I see God bless others who I think don't deserve to be blessed. And really what that's saying is, God, I know how to use your gifts better than you do. I know how to distribute your wealth better than you do. And really if I were if I were in charge of this household, you know what? This is how I would spend these resources. I would never do such a thing as you've done to the younger brother. And it's just a, a sneak peek into our hearts is how we can even then choose goods over God. We want God. Yes, but uh, if I'm honest, man, I like God's gifts a whole lot more than God sometimes. Uh, this a passage in Romans chapter 1 which is really a you know, your jaw hits the floor when you read it. When when Romans 1, Paul writes that people have disregarded God and they have chosen to worship the created versus the creator. And we think, oh man, how could they go so far as to not recognizing who God is? And now they're so enamored with just what he's created. And God really says that, and that's that type of heart, he gives them over to their depraved mind. And that challenges me in so much that it's depraved thinking when we are more excited about what he's created instead of who he is, the creator. So we love our dads, but I remember growing up, I have a twin brother. And, uh, and I remember some birthdays. My birthday is Wednesday, by the way. If you, uh, you know, just give me a shout out on Facebook, make me feel good. But anyway, turned 37 on Wednesday. And uh, I've always shared my birthday, always. For 37 years, it will be a shared birthday with my, my, my twin brother. Uh, but I remember specifically some birthdays where we got the same gift every single time. It was never any dif- differentiation, never. So my brother and I had to time how we opened our gifts. You got to open it at the exact same time because if you open it too soon, I see you rip the wrapping pa- rap- away, and I see the remote control car before I get to open mine. You spoil the gift. But then there were some, some birthdays where, unbelievably, my brother got a more expensive gift than I did. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, what, what in the world? We're, we're in this together. Is there some favoritism? What's up with that? Why did he get one extra gift? I got one less. And I remember those birthdays as as challenging my heart to be like what in the world and I could take the the reality of my parents have hooked me up so much they have done more than I'm still figuring out how awesome they are uh it takes takes growing up to see how much your parents actually had it on straight and how great they really are and I'm still figuring that out and But I I disregarded all those many blessings and many gifts and sleepless nights and dirty diapers being changed and protection and prayers and you name it. And all I was focused in on at that moment was you gave a different gift to my brother and I feel cheated. I feel cheated by you. And if you zoom out, take a 10,000 foot view from that scenario, all of us would wanna come up collectively and slap me in the back of the head and say, wake up, John, get a grip. Do you see what you're doing here? This, you're, you're out of line, son. And that would be a sneak peek into all of our hearts in the moments where we choose to get more excited or care more about what we get from God than just being blown away by how good and how great of a father we have. Does that make sense? So, Goods over God, that's the ugly part of our family dynamic. We got to see that in our heart, but amen. Praise God that we do not have a father that keeps us there or turns away from us when we have those dynamics, but even more so, he comes right to us in a beautiful way. So even though we choose goods over God, my second point as we head into communion is head over heels. And that's that's a saying colloquially, where when we say someone is head over heels in love, that they're just you know besides themselves, they're doing back backflips in love, head over heels. Woo! I am just completely disoriented in love with you, and that's who we see our father uh, in this in this parable. That's how he sees all of us, despite that ugly family dynamic that our hearts can can carry into the relationship. We see that he treats his two sons with incredible faithfulness, incredible love, painful perseverance, just lovingly listening to his his sons. It is an incredible display of our Heavenly Father and how he treats all of us. We see with the younger brother, it's a bit more obvious. Uh, he, He sees his son from a far way off and embarrassingly runs out to meet him. We've heard that many times before The father of the household, the elders, they don't run. Everybody runs to them, figuratively and and literally. Everybody runs to dad. Dads don't run after the kid in this scenario. What he does, he exposes his chicken legs and runs to to his son. And it's embarrassing for him to be seen in public like that, but he does it for love. He does it to communicate how much he loves his son despite the pain he's caused in his earlier decisions. We see that he spares no expense. He gets the fattened calf. He throws a party of parties. He goes well and above the call of duty to showcase to his son that you are loved. He could have been a slave, and that would have been the right thing to do. But instead, he gives him a signet ring, which basically is a mark of sonship. This is a beautiful, beautiful image of what God does for all of us. We've all run astray. We've all spent His goods the way we wanted to, and we forgot Him. We left Him in the dust, and instead He runs after us and He puts His seal on us. It's not a signet ring, but it's His Holy Spirit that's now a seal that that guarantees what is to come. He has marked us as sons and daughters. We should be slaves but he lifts us from that level and gives us adoption into sonship and daughtership. This is our new reality. And Ephesians chapter one highlights that in a great way. If you're taking notes and wanna study that out, the beauty of adoption. Adoption is so beautiful because it's instantaneous. As soon as you're adopted, you get all the rights, all the gifts, all the status of that family. It is not a slow burn. It's not, hey, prove yourself here in a year, and then if you're sti- if you're still who I want you to be, then you can stick in the family. It is, boom, signed, sealed, delivered. You are my son, and you get all the rights brought right in. That's how we see God's head over heels love for us. And then we see it with the older son, too. I mean, who would want to listen to the son's gripes at this point? Who would want to leave the party and actually want to go chase after an ornery son who's having a temper tantrum in his, in his room, he leaves the party, he leaves the celebration, he leaves the honor, and he goes after the, the, grumpy, the grumpy boy and says, listen, I love you. Come, everything I have is, is yours. You're always mine. We see our father communicating to us in our nastiness, everything I have is yours. I'm not holding out on you. Everything is yours. I'm not selling you short. You've got it all in spades. This is who our God wants us to see about him this morning, is that God is all about us, and he has nothing, nothing that he's leaving out from us. Sometimes we feel that way, that God's holding out on us, that God is sometimes uh, giving more to others rather than to us, that God is somehow punishing us even, from from the blessings because of who we are in our heart of hearts. That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one, all the way back to the narrative that is our Bibles, that Adam and Eve questioned whether or not God was going to give them all that they needed. They believed from Satan's lies that God was holding out. So what do they do? They took things into their old hand their own hands, and in comes the dynamic of believing that God is holding out on us, and God is reaffirming his love his head over heels, love for us this morning. He's not holding out. He is overwhelmed with love for you. He has got everything in store for you and you can trust that no matter if you relate to the older son or the younger son this morning. What's that meant to do for us as we celebrate and as we reflect and contemplate on who our heavenly father is, as we we celebrate that and take communion Let's consider Jesus and how he pulls into this story. You know, we have an older brother here, and none of us would be incorrect if we said, you know, the older brother is not a very good older brother. Uh, I don't know if many of you have older brothers. Hopefully, he doesn't uh, reflect in this story of of this older brother. But all of us do, in our new adopted family, have a tremendous older brother. In this story, it's a bad one, but Jesus is the perfect older brother in this story for us. You know, the older brother should have gone after his younger brother and didn't. Instead, he stayed back and probably licked his chops and rubbed his hands together that he's going to get even more now that this younger brother uh, went away and, you know, got his father's attention off of him. Now he can just focus more on me. But what we see in Jesus is that he does everything the older brother should have done. Jesus had it all. He had every bit of inheritance. He had all of God's love. He had all of God's attention. He was the chosen one. He was the perfect son. And instead of just staying high on the hog, pun intended for this text, he decides to leave all of that. He decides to to sell himself into slavery that sin brings so that you and I can be brought back to full sonship and daughtership. It costs God so much to bring this younger son home. Jesus epitomizes the cost of what it takes to bring you and I back home. The Pharisees are the older brothers in this story, but that's for another time. We just got to focus here on Jesus. Here we see that the father stripped off his robe and gave it to the younger brother. In the same way, Jesus was stripped naked so that you and I could be clothed with Christ. That's Galatians chapter three. He has an enormous expense accredited to himself so that you and I can can breathe deeply and drink deeply of all the gifts of God's love. Jesus, as Philippians 2 tells us, he he is the son of sons. He leaves heaven for us. He was the victor in heaven, but instead becomes the victim for us so that you, cannot, you and I can have victory over death. The priest becomes a sacrifice so that you and I can become the holy priesthood. He was the son of sons, and now he becomes a slave to the son so that we who were slaves can become sons. His hope was fixed so strongly on all of us being right with him that he's willing to have all of our diseases fixed on his soul. And that's Psalm 103. This is a glimpse of the real family dynamic, not the one that you and I create, but the one that God in heaven, our perfectly heavenly father creates and has wanted for each and every one of us from the beginning of time. As Jesus told this story to those Pharisees and to us now, 2,000 plus years later, I believe Jesus wants us to communicate, wanted to communicate a very simple takeaway for us. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. No matter what you've done, my love never changes for you. No matter where you've gone, I'm always here running after you. I'm ready to disrobe and honor you. I'm ready to pull all of the pain onto myself so that you can be freed of it. I'm ready to to embark on a relationship that costs me everything and gives you everything. This is our Heavenly Father. As we celebrate Jesus and our Heavenly Father in communion, let's wrestle through how maybe we've chosen goods over God. But most importantly, let us dream and imagine what it would look like moving forward this week to just be so enamored with our God, to want him, not his stuff, to be content and excited about the family dynamic that he gives us, that that will spur us on to be the sons and daughters that all of us desire to be for our heavenly father. Let's pray as we take the juice that represents his blood and let's pray as we take the bread that represents his body pierced for us. This is a tribute to our heavenly father who continually loves us, chases after us and and gives us so much that we do not deserve. Let's pray together thanks for listening to the blue ridge podcast my name is will portillo and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us visit us online at blue or connect with us on facebook at blue ridge church of christ visit us on youtube and subscribe for weekly sermons encouraging news and short devotionals thanks for tuning in and see you next time